Hello and welcome to week 31 in Ordinary Time. Addressing the people and his disciples, Jesus said, The scribes and the Pharisees occupy the chair of Moses. You must therefore do what they tell you and listen to what they say. But do not be guided by what they do, since they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. But will they lift a finger to move them? Not they. Everything they do is done to attract attention, like wearing broader phylacteries and longer tassels, like wanting to take the place of honour at banquets and the front seats in the synagogue, being greeted obsequiously in the market squares in having people call them rabbi. You, however, must not allow yourselves to be called rabbi, since you have only one master and you are all brothers. You must call no one on earth your father, since you have only one father and he is in heaven. Nor must you allow yourselves to be called teachers, for you have only one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Irish Bishop Joseph Cassidy said in the 1970s that our ambition in life is not to impress other people, but to serve them. Can you think of anyone on TV or media who follows this ideal today? It's not difficult to find examples of the opposite ambition. There is an American TV series based on country music in Nashville, where the height of glory is to have an LP poster half the size of a skyscraper in New York Times Square. Very impressive. Some antiques presenters try to use outlandish dress or quirky phrases in order to overtake the other presenters when vying for the major job in the next bargain series. You see some modern comedians who feel they need to outshock each other or use the foulest language to impress, like some silly child saying a naughty word. There are other examples, from sports commentators who dumb down with interpretation of incidents, aim to please the lowest common denominator, and as far as politicians, it's best not to go there for sake of our own sanity. The problem seems to be that pride gets in the way and is very unattractive, particularly when people start to become too big for the boots and begin to fake their own importance. Another writer, Redemptorist Father Dennis McBride, states that this kind of fake leadership is what hampered the Pharisees. They became so full of their own importance that they forgot about the real issues to the point that everything they did was to attract attention. 
Father Dennis says this resulted in two major faults that should never be emulated by the new Christian leaders that Matthew wrote for. His advice to the young Christian church was one, don't place burdens on people who can't bear them. And two, don't exclude yourself from what you say is the right thing to do. Christianity was meant to remove burdens from people, bringing a new freedom. All levels in the church were meant to serve each other. Remember Jesus told his apostles, they must be like slaves. Jesus may have read in Psalm 42, at some time in his life, the phrase, Defend me, O God, from deceitful and cunning men. And I'm sure, like he always did, that he would have spent time in prayer and silence about the type of questions the Pharisees would put to him. I have difficulty sometimes with passages like today's Gospel from Matthew, until I remember that it was Jesus who was the victim. Matthew himself may have overreacted in the selection of incidents, as he was himself a Jewish scribe, tax collector, and obviously disagreed with the interpretations given about the law by some of his own dealings with the Pharisees. He also saw them as a cunning and deceitful man who dealt in half-truths for their own benefits and may have suffered at their hands when he converted to Christianity, we don't know. Matthew may have found the Pharisees lacking in integrity and of a pious in all the wrong ways, but he made sure Jesus pointed out that what they had to say came from Moses and scripturally was not to be dismissed because they themselves lacked the qualities of mercy and compassion. This is why we need to be careful not to blindly concentrate on all the examples of self-importance that it presents. We need to ask, what is the overall message that Matthew is trying to tell us about the quality of leadership admired by Jesus and expected of his followers? Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is probably one of the best examples as it's the earliest part of the New Testament to be written, well before Matthew. The leaders in the church of Thessalonian were one of the first, and Paul regarded them as a model for the rest based on their faith, love and hope in Jesus the Lord. The leaders in Jesus' eyes had to be the servants of all. Paul and his two friends first gave them the example by behaving themselves as the kind of leaders Jesus was encouraging. Timothy, for one, and Paul toiled and worked at the same time as preaching the gospel, so as not to be a burden to anyone. They also took time to comfort and console the Thessalonians with no eye on gaining honour for themselves. They put into practice what Jesus had said, the greatest of you will be your servant. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. The leaders they selected in Thessalonians had to be the servants of all, someone who points to Jesus as the guide for all rather than themselves. These early Christian leaders were a success and acted for the benefit of the disciples rather than lording it over them. Their role was seen as a reliever of burdens, a helper, and never becoming a burden themselves. Paul thanked God for them and saw their action as inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Have you thought of anyone who fulfills Bishop Joseph's ideals yet? Our ambition in life is not to impress other people, but to serve them. I'm going to cheat. I'll pick out a couple that are obvious. St. Pope John Paul II, and I think I'll go for Pope John XXIII, both very, very humble men. The the first one there, uh, second in order, was Pope John Paul II. And he was born in 1920, uh, died in 2005, and he was from the era as my own parents. My father, Austin, who would be my other choice, along with my mum. They were born between 1920s and 2000s, was when they died. And they demonstrated, I think, all the good qualities of leading by service with their family devotion and selfless acts of working to ease the burden of all their families and all those that were they were given to care for. And I think Jesus would have picked his own mum and dad too. Um, look at the example that they gave in all those early years. And I'm talking here, obviously, of Mary and Joseph. So let's get back to ourselves. Whether we are a modern pope, a musician in Nashville, a Liverpool comedian, a politician, or a common man or woman of the world, our service as Christians is to follow Jesus with a life of holiness, gentleness, and humility for the benefit of others. Putting this into action, not just talk, takes the real courage. Keep my soul in peace before you, O Lord. Keep my soul in peace before you, O Lord. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor holy my Keep my soul in peace before you, O Lord. Keep my soul in peace before you, O Lord. On you I have set my soul in silence and my soul in peace before you, O Lord. Keep my soul in peace before you, O Lord. O Israel, hope in the Lord, both now and all time. Keep my soul 